Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 4 through 13. Hear the word of the Lord. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning, good morning. If uh, I have not met you, my name is Gabe Coyle. I'm the campus pastor here, and I want to let you in kind of on some new elements to our nighttime routine for the Coyle family. Uh, one of the new elements is when we put my daughter Ava to bed. Um, she looks up at me most nights now with these big, beautiful brown eyes and says, Daddy, can you stay in here with me? Right, I know. And to which I say, well, why, sweet pea? And she says, you know, well, Daddy, uh, you know, I, I, I don't like the dark. It's scary. And then she goes into, sometimes I'm afraid of it, sometimes I'm not. I don't know why. But please, Daddy, can you stand here? I don't want to be afraid. What do you say to that, right? Unless you're a terrible parent. There's a lot of things you could say. But in the reality is, the darkness is scary. And you don't really grow out of that as an adult. Don't act too tough. You know it's true. Like, here's a good test, right? If you hear a noise in the middle of the night, don't you have just a slight bit more fear if you hear that at night than if you're watching Prices Right during the day, right? Yeah, it's a different reaction. There's a greater sense of fear. Just so you don't feel alone, okay, I, answered, I found this article on The Independent. It's an online British publication where they surveyed some 2,000 adults, and this is what they discovered. 40% were scared of walking around their house in the dark. A further one in 10 said they were so scared of darkness that they would not use the toilet at night. Like, people are so terrified that they'd rather let their bladder nearly explode for hours than walk the five out, you know, five hours, the five feet to the restroom. So let's just all kind of start off with a sense of honesty and appropriateness this morning. We're all a little, if not absolutely terrified, of the dark. And then when we get to this time of year, Christmas, right, where we can stand aglow in the beauty of the plaza lights and our Christmas tree lights and the, the lights on the top of our tree with this beautiful star and so on and stories of Christmas lights and Sia's song, Christmas lights. I mean, there's all these different, this different music out there about the lights. And yet, and yet, the world can feel like a really dark place, can it? And it can be absolutely terrifying. We hear of so many different kinds of evil being perpetrated night after night on the evening news. It's at this time of year where the loss of loved ones feels most acute. It's at this time of year where even the stress of work just to get ready for this time of year feels excruciating. 
And then, of course, there's the fear of what we do know and then the fears of what we don't know. All of that can be debilitating, and we want someone to just come in to turn on the lights, to scare all our fears away and tell us that our worst nightmares are nothing but make-believe. You know, it's so interesting when we get to this time of year and we so often talk about these themes of light and darkness, don't we? Did you know that that's one of the oldest metaphors for good and evil for humanity? And when you go across cultures, it's a near universal response that the night, the darkness of night is a bit terrifying and then everybody is longing for the light, for it to come in, to bring comfort, to assuage our fears. And if you go across cultures, almost everybody knows that if you want to escape the darkness, you have to let the light in. Like my daughter knows that at age three. It's, it's so simple. And yet, when we engage the darkness of this world, it doesn't feel all that simple, does it? Well, this Christmas season, we're, we're beginning or going through a series where we're focusing on how the Christmas story is so much bigger than we often talk about it. As glamorous and mesmerizing of the Christmas lights and the presents under the tree, we, we know that Christmas is so much bigger than happy birthday Jesus. It's, it's much more the sunrise after what feels like an eternal night. Christmas is much more the dawn of the true light who's come to eradicate darkness this world over. And John, who we just heard from this morning, he's someone who's seen this light firsthand. John, the apostle, who's one of Jesus' closest friends, John, who in the first century walked with, talked with, touched the person of Jesus, the Son of God, he wrote down some of his experiences in this gospel account so that we might believe, he says, that we might believe Jesus is the true light, the one who not just comes with words of hope, but who really has the power within his hands to eradicate darkness. And John doesn't want us to be left in the dark on this. He's felt the warmth of the sun. He's, he's felt his fears be assuaged by the one and only light of the world, the liberating power of Jesus. And, he, and he's inviting you and I this morning afresh to let the light in. And, and listen, as simple as that sounds, once again, when we engage the darkness of this world, it doesn't feel all that simple. Let's look at why, would you? Let's turn with our, in our Bibles to John chapter 1. If you're using one of our community Bibles, it is found on page 886. And beginning here in verse 6, we read, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, right away, this can be a bit confusing because John, whose written account we're reading through this morning, that's not the John he's talking about. John chapter 1 verse 6 is talking about a different John called John the Baptist. The John who wrote this account that we're reading through is often called John the Evangelist or John the Apostle. But in verse 6, we're focusing on John the Baptist. And also to be clear, just so we don't have any confusion, he wasn't a Baptist minister. This isn't where that denomination began. Okay, see, see, this is where it's, no. John is known as the baptizer, someone, this was a common practice of his. And he's well known across Israel as someone who's zealous. I mean, no one is more zealous than John the baptizer, than, than bringing right worship to the right God. 
If anybody across the nation of Israel would say, who's most zealous about bringing reformation to the faith of Israel? Everybody would say, oh, it's John the Baptist. And what he would do is that he would immerse people in the Jordan River as a symbol of this commitment now of repentance, of changing their ways to now rightly worship the one and true God. Most folks recognize that John the Baptist was sent by God. That's why John the evangelist can say it, knowing that no one's going to necessarily disagree with his statement here in verse 6. And as much as they expected that John, yes, the Baptist was sent by God, what they never expected, what became an absolute surprise was that this man who's sent by God, who everybody recognizes is more, one of the most zealous folks for the right worship of the true God, would then turn. I mean, this, this guy who is calling out the hypocrisy of the religious leaders and also the duplicity of the nation of Israel as a whole, then says and points to this man named Jesus and says this. Look with me. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. This is why John the Evangelist writes in verse 7, John the Baptist came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Not in him. The light wasn't in John the Baptist. But through him and through his witness, they could see the light. And this light that John came to bear witness about isn't one among many lights. It's not like John is one light pointing to another light. No, 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 no. This is the one true light. And John will himself say, I am not that light. He says this later. And John the Evangelist makes this explicit where he says, He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So what is the light? Hang with me here. It's in verse 9. The true light, which enlightens everyone and is coming or was coming into the world. This light, the light that John bears witness to, this is the true light for everyone. The one who knows no beginning and will know no end. Remember, this is a continuation from verse 1 where we talk about the Word who is even before the creation of the world. He knows no beginning. He knows no end. He's from outside of this world. He's bigger and beyond this world, and yet he has broken into this world. He is dawning on a dark world. And he's finally come to push back the darkness as far as this world can be explored. So whether it's John the Baptist who's come to bear witness about this light or John the Evangelist who's giving us his account, two eyewitness accounts corroborating the evidence and pointing to the truth claim that Jesus is the light. And that may sound obvious to some in here, but what we need to remember this time of year is that this is absolutely obvious to the pages of Scripture. There is no question as to who is the exclusive and alone light of the world, and that is Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus himself says this later on in John chapter 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. 
So John the Baptist, who has rapport within the nation of Israel, points to him and says he is the Son of God, the light of the world. John the Evangelist is giving his personal experience and account of these witnesses in his own testimony. And Jesus himself says, yes, I am the light. And he is the one throughout every culture, every country, every people. When they are hungering for the light to break in, when they long to escape the darkness and to let the light in, it is Jesus whom our hearts ache for. And the pages of Scripture are absolutely explicit about this truth claim. So what happens when this light begins to break in? Like if we know, like it's just obvious common sense. To escape the darkness, you have to let the light in. And Jesus proclaims to be the light. And he's corroborated by two eyewitness accounts to be the light. What happens when he breaks into a dark world? History has told us the story, has it not? We've seen the movies. We've read the book. Um, and John summarizes it here for us in verse 10. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Jesus, the light, the true light who enlightens everyone, not just an explicit few, but everyone through whom the world was made, his world, and yet they did not see him that way. But what about his own people? That had the Hebrew scriptures that were pointing in prophecies to the light that is to come. What about all the rapport that John the Baptist carried within the masses of Israel? Shouldn't they surely see the light when it dawns? When you get to verse 11, we read, He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Isn't this a dark picture? And John's account plays this out. You see the authorities of the world, the religious authorities of Israel, and even the masses of Israel singing together in a dark minor key of chorus, singing, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. I mean, you and I know all too well that the only way to escape the darkness is to let the light in. And yet, when we are given the choice, we still choose darkness again and again and again. And this isn't some sort of failure narrative of the people of Israel. This is a failure story for every single one of us. Jesus, the true light, who came into the darkness. And we know that the only way to escape the darkness is to let in the light. And yet when we're given the choice, we still choose darkness. And you have to sit here and you have to wonder why. Because every single one of us in here is slightly terrified of the darkness. We've already laid that common ground. We're at least a little bit afraid. And so it's not because we think, you know, that the darkness is better than the light. We know that the light is better. In the light, we can be seen and be known and foster relationship and see the beauty of the world and live. It's not that we somehow think that the darkness is stronger than the light. Every bit of our experience, when the sun rises, the night fades. When you turn on a light switch, the dark room is illuminated. Darkness cannot overcome light by its very qualities. And so if it's not that, why? Why, when we're given the choice, do we still choose darkness? And this is so important. I hope you understand. This is, this is so crucial to understanding the nature of the gospel and the nature of Christmas. Here's why. We all have things we'd rather keep in the dark. We all have things we'd rather keep in the dark. I mean, yeah, we're terrified about what's lurking in the darkness. 
And, and as terrified as we may be, what's even more terrifying is what may be in us or around us being exposed that we'd rather keep hidden underneath the cloak of darkness. Jesus says as much when we get to one of the most well-known passages beginning here in John chapter 3, verse 16. Follow along with me. This is a little bit of a longer read, so just stick with me. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Lest his deeds should be exposed. Right at the heart of this, we come to understand that we all have stuff we, we don't want exposed, do we? Each and every one of us has something that, that we tell ourselves, sure, I don't want to stay in the darkness forever, but it's so much more comfortable than the fear, the overriding fear that this, whatever it is within me or around me, if it's finally exposed, I'm done for. And we see this everywhere, don't we? I mean, you can see it in the story of Matt Lauer from the Today Show. I mean, Matt Lauer's story is one of corporate cover-up and intentional ignoring. Why? Why not bring to light his abuses right off the bat? Because Matt Lauer, he boosted the ratings and was one of the key pillars to this institution remaining profitable. He was the, the familiar face. And so time and again, things would get swept under the rug. Why slaughter the cash cow over one accusation? I mean, the same could be told, you know, of many of these stories that are out right now. You could also look to the NFL's desire to keep people in the dark about how many concussions these pro athletes are undertaking. They know they can get a good five to seven years out of a pro athlete before they're finally washed up, at which point they can take somebody, a fresh crop right out of college and keep the money machine going. But don't, let's not talk about how many concussions are undergoing. I mean, these... These are very real realities that you and I experience every day in our culture. And it's not just something that big corporations are doing. It's the reality of everyday people like you and me. That extra little bit of income that we don't report on our taxes because the government's got enough already. That little white lie. That exaggeration of the story when you're with a friend over coffee. That envy of a coworker the disgust of a family member, all of that, if we just keep it hidden, keep it safe underneath the cloak of darkness, every single one of us, we have things that we'd rather keep in the dark. But you know what happens if we keep these things in the dark? You know what, what are the ramifications of that choice? If you don't let the light come in, two things happen. First, you help make the world a darker place. A place where fear has a greater stronghold, where hurt and pain thrive, where evil goes overlooked. Why? Because you don't want to be a whistleblower. You don't want to shed light on a situation. Why? Because you might be complicit and you might get looped in to the judgment, the condemnation that is to come or the punishment. And then secondly, secondly, not only 
Do we make the world a darker place? But you lose yourself in the darkness. You slowly are no longer able to recognize who it is that's staring you back in the mirror. The darkness, it slowly consumes you from the inside out. And who here wants that to be their story? Who here is excited for that to be their biographical sketch? Nobody in here wants that to be true of them. And this is exactly what Jesus has come to liberate us from. There is a different way. And John doesn't want us to miss it. There is such good news in our passage this morning. And here it is. John is calling you and me to bask in the light of Jesus. In other words, receive him for who he is. And when he shines on you, this is important too, he illuminates everything. I mean everything. There's nothing hidden in the shadow of concealment any longer. And I'm curious. I was thinking about this text and Curious, I want you to think about this question. What do you think God will do when he sees it all? I mean all of it, all the stuff we're trying to keep hidden, the junk that we're most deeply ashamed of, the insecurities that keep us so locked in in separation in relationship or keep us really paralyzed at work from speaking up or speaking out. Maybe you think God will reject you. Maybe if if God really knew all that you were trying to hide, if God really knew the real you, then maybe God would abandon you, alienate you, condemn you, punish you, finally put you in your place where you know you deserve to be. And I think if God were a lot more like you and me, that might be the case. But the good news is he's so much better than that. Look with me here at John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, speaking of Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, God says if you receive Jesus as the true light and you let him illuminate everything, I'm going to do something that no one else can do. Nothing that no one else can make a decision about, nothing that you can bring about by your own effort. I will do what only I can do, something that you're not born with, but something that I give you when you receive the light of Jesus is I'll make you my child. You'll be a part of my family. And do you see how amazing God's love is here in this passage, just on display? That when he turns on the light on your life and mine, what he longs to do more than anything else is yes, to reveal what we've been trying to hide for so long, but when he reveals it, to show us that it was never worth holding on to in the first place. That yes, he'll shine the light on those deeds, those sins, that broken decisions that we've made. But instead of making us sit in our shame, he points to Jesus and said, I've made a way for forgiveness. When we come with our insecurities and broken perspectives of ourselves and others, Jesus breaks in and he illuminates it and says, yes, that is a unique way I've made you and I'm going to make it glorious and beautiful. That's what God longs to do when his light comes to shine and illuminate everything. I love the words of St. Augustine, a thoughtful Christian from the fourth century. He says, the only son of God Speaking of this passage, the only Son of God does not want to remain alone. God's Son has been sent to expand God's family with sons and daughters adopted now in to this family. 
Jesus says in John chapter 12, verse 46, I've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. He's come to make us a part of his family, to be children now of light. And when you're invited into his family, he now uses you to make the world more brilliant. We talked about the repercussions of chasing after darkness, the repercussions and the consequences and the the outcome of letting Jesus' light shine on you is that he actually makes you more brilliant and empowers you to make the world more brilliant. He makes you and I witnesses to what John points to as the light of the world, the true life, Jesus Christ. We get to tell a world that's terrified in the midst of darkness and mystery that a light has shined. And it's better than we could have ever imagined if we receive him. And so the question we're posed in our passage this morning, the question that John is posing really throughout his gospel account, and I pose it to us this morning afresh, is will you receive or run from the light? Will you receive a run from the light? It's a question, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, that we need to be posing to ourselves in this moment today. And when I say, will you receive, it's really, the light is dawning, it is breaking into the world, and you must bask in His light to let it shine on you and illuminate everything. And it must be Jesus John the Baptist is clear on this. John the Evangelist is clear on this. All of Scripture is pointing to him and him alone. It must be Jesus that you rest in and bask in. And he must illuminate everything. Nothing can be held back. Will you receive? But if you choose not to receive, you need to understand that rejection is not merely standing still. Rejection is a tireless life of running deeper into the darkness. Because the sun has already dawned. The sun will rise and the light is coming. And so for you to choose darkness, you must now live a tireless life running deeper into the darkness with the light forever on your heels. And who wants to choose that? Who wants to choose that kind of exhausting life? Life. So will you receive a run tirelessly from the light this morning? And for those of us who have chosen to bask in the light of Jesus, for brothers and sisters here, I wanted to also leave us with great hope in this season. As you remember back to John chapter 1 verse 5, we read, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The world is a dark place, but the light is coming. He has come. He is breaking in, and one day he will return. He hears the cries of his family in many ways that I hear the cries of my daughter when we cry out, please, God, be here with us. And one day he will answer that prayer, and the light will shine high. And for those who are found in Christ and have learned to bask in the light of Jesus, to receive him for who he is, and to so illuminate every aspect of their lives, we can hear the words of John the Evangelist, who is given a grand vision of what day will come. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 5, the same author of John chapter 1 is the same author of Revelation 22, 5, where he says, on that day, night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. Take hope. Darkness will not win the day. 
So stand tall in the light. And if you're in Jesus, take confidence and courage that you're more brilliant because of Christ than you could have ever realized. Let's pray. Our great and merciful Lord Jesus, you are the light that never fades. As the light of day now streams through these windows and floods this room, so let us open to you the windows of our hearts that all our lives may be filled with the radiance of your presence. God, may no corner of our being be left in the darkness, but illuminate every part of us by the light of your face. Don't leave anything within us that could darken the brightness of the day. Let the Spirit of Jesus whose life was the light of all people, rule within our hearts. And it's in the name of Jesus, the light of life for all people, we pray. Amen.